Welcome to this week 16 edition, a Christmas Eve episode of Between the Horns. Whether you're watching live with us or listening to the podcast a little bit later on on your holiday, thank you for joining us. I'm JB Long, team reporter Serena Morales. Merry Christmas, Serena. Hi, JB. Merry Christmas. Feliz Navidad. It's a good day. It's nice to see former Pro Bowl running back Maurice Jones Drew as well. MJD, what's up? JB, it's good to see you. Merry Christmas Eve. And DeMarco uh, has completed all of his Christmas shopping. Well done, Santa. Thank you. Super dad strikes again, but bah humbug. (laughs) Just in the nick of time. Two weeks ago, the Rams have to win both these games. They have to go to Seattle and get the Seahawks and then home at SoFi Stadium for the regular season finale against the Arizona Cardinals. Take home both of those. They will be the NFC West champions again. Before we get to Seattle, though, the rematch with the Seahawks, I know nobody wants to go here necessarily, but let's quickly revisit the loss to the Jets. Yeah, JB, we we all heard this phrase, right, on any given Sunday. That was certainly the case at SoFi Stadium. But look, a win, it's just one loss, one win, one loss. And it's a little different, though, to me than, say, losing to the Bills because they lost to the winless Jets. DeMarco, uh, Santa Claus over here. How do you make (laughs) sure that you get all your presents and you win your games, but you don't miss these games that you shouldn't lose? Like, how do you make sure that these losses don't linger on for the rest of the the next two games? Wait, was that a fat joke? Are you fat shaming? You know, I'm Santa. No, it's all good. Uh, You know, look, um, the (laughs) – it's not just – it is just a loss. It's, it's, it's one loss in, in the, the loss column or one mark in the loss column, but it, it is historic, so there is no way of getting around it. I say embrace it, enjoy it, tattoo it on your body. Make sure you never forget how this feels, and you won't. Uh, this will go down in history, but uh, the first thing you have to do to get past it is just go look at your next opponent. Uh, it, it worked for me. Turn on tape of Seattle. Watch Chris Carson bulldoze people. Watch Russell Wilson slither in and out of trouble time and time again. I think we gave the snake to the wrong, the the nickname, the snake to the wrong guy. It's actually Russell Wilson. Uh, That defense is playing well. Uh, And just be honest with yourself. Uh, The Jets were not lucky. They beat you. They made more plays than you did. And in some areas, they were absolutely better. Special teams in particular. They blocked the punt. Their punter, like Maurice said during the game, made a picture-perfect game-saving tackle. It's a tough pill to swallow, but... Uh, you, you have to swallow that truth pill and the underdog had its day. So the best way to get around it is just to embrace it, understand it, understand why you lost and move on. And I have to give credit to Sam Darnold. Remember that comment he made about Aaron Donald is just a good player. Well, look, Aaron was good on Sunday. Great was needed. Darnold made big plays. The Rams defense did not, and they beat you. So embrace it, understand it, move on. Look at your next opponent. You'll get around it sooner than later. I mean, to me, right, like it looked like, to your point, DeMarco, the Rams kind of beat themselves. So, MJD, are these mistakes that they made against the Jets, are they fixable? Are they preventable? Can we stop, you know, converting a season-low 18% on third downs? Like, can we get that number up? Yeah, I definitely think they're 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 all fixable. Um, the first part was that I that really comes to mind was a block punt. Nick Scott's not there. You have a rookie, uh, doesn't really know what he's doing. Let's, you know, too many guys overload on one side, slides to the left instead of the right, free blocker there. When you look at the protection that Jared had on some of those third downs, you had enough guys blocking. Again, they just didn't identify or slide to those guys. The, the, the question is, can Jared play better? And that's what it comes down to. Out of all the wins and all the losses, 
it really comes down to can, can QB one play well. Now he plays well against Seattle Seahawks. He plays well against Arizona Cardinals, which is a good thing. But when the Jets, it just wasn't good, Jared. It, it wasn't even the Jared that we've come to see. You know, kind of he just kind of took a step back in that game. Um, obviously, the INT where he didn't see the corner and he really threw the ball behind Robert Woods in that situation. Um, he was just off that day. So you hope that going into a, an opponent that you know, opponent that you played well against throughout your career, that that can get them back on track and get them kind of springboard into the, the playoffs. And I'll say this. Um, yes, it's just a loss in the loss column, but maybe this is the loss that wakes up that sleeping giant that we've been waiting for, right? We've seen it spurts come out where the Rams have played really well at times. We've seen it when they played really bad. Maybe this loss to a winless Jets team is embarrassing enough to make everyone go home and look in the mirror and say, I have to be better and I will be better. And then that is the win, the loss that helps them, you know, make this run throughout the playoffs. Yeah, the word that comes to mind, I think, for a lot of our audience is consistency or lack thereof, right? And Sean McVay often says consistency is the truest measure of performance. Well, unfortunately, the thing that the Rams have done most consistently on offense is turn it over. They've done it in every game this season. And for them to get to where they want to go, frankly, that has to change. Rare is the season where you have a negative turnover margin going into week 16 and still control your own destiny in terms of clinching the division. So, DeMarco, how do you go about stopping that trend? Because, like, going to Seattle trying to not turn it over is not the great place to be. Well, I mean, really, let's just be honest. We're talking about one guy. We're talking about Jared Goff turning the football over, and that's got to change. Now, trying to stop that or correct that, I'll be honest, I don't know about this one. I come from the right side of the ball, Maurice, uh, to where if we have a toothache or a rotten tooth, we pull it and we put the veneer in and we go. But this is different. This is your quarterback. Uh, politics enters into this equation. So to me, this will define Sean McVay's legacy here with the Rams. But ask yourself this question. If Jared Goff finished his career with an Eli Manning type career, would you be upset with that? There's a guy who struggled with consistency his entire career. I think the only time he was in the single digits in picks was his first year and his last year when he wasn't a full-time starter. So that could be Jared Goff's career. And it may put Tom Coughlin in the Hall of Fame. Think about that. Nine playoff appearances. I think they won the division five times. They were in the NFC Championship five times or whatever, and they won two Super Bowls. And Eli was MVP in both of those games. So if Jared Goff had that type of career, I wouldn't be upset, but – you know, I don't know how you fix this problem. I think maybe Sean McVay's only answer here is recognize that you can't coach around it. Uh, you're going to take heat for it. Ultimately, win with it and try to go from there. But the, the only answer for Jared Goff not turning the ball over is just coming from him and him alone. That's the only way that's going to get fixed. But the rest of the football team can't get frustrated with it. You're going to have to play around it and understand what it is. But uh, there's only been one coach that I know that didn't care about playoffs or didn't care about turnovers. And that was Mike Martz. And he's not coaching anymore. Turnovers are a big part of football. They're the, 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 the easiest way to determine who's going to win and lose a football game. So that has got to be cleaned up. And I hope it gets cleaned up before you play Seattle on Sunday. One of the ways you can play around it is to run the football well. And despite the injury to Cam Akers, it's something that whether he's been on the field or not, they have been able to do as well as any team in the National Football League. Sometimes we get so close to it, it may not feel that way. But you look at the metrics, they are the most efficient running team in the league at their tailback position. And Maurice, uh, first of all, let me ask, what was your reaction when you heard that Cam had a high ankle sprain, given what he did last Sunday against the Jets? Uh, it, it's uncomfortable. It's um... 
I think Sean used the the term war daddy, which uh, I've heard a ton. Um, depends on what type of ankle sprain it is. And, and the high kind are the ones that tend to linger. Um, but you could tell he was compromised. But I love that to see him fight through it for his team because it meant so much to him. And and I, I think that is, again, something that you can go back and look to in this game. Like, OK, we know we have a guy that will fight with us through thick and thin. Now, he's not going to be this be there this week. But you've been in this situation before, right? It happened in Philadelphia. All of a sudden, Daryl Henderson breaks out. He becomes a guy. And that's the beautiful thing about having a running back by committee is that when one guy goes down, you already played with the other two guys, especially for the Rams throughout this season, and you've won games with it. And so I'm not I'm not concerned at all. I, I truly believe that Daryl Henderson is going to be utilized in, in, in certain ways. I thought that they should have put him out there on those third and fourth downs instead of Cam Akers and had Daryl Henderson run those routes, fresh legs, not hurt. Maybe that throw that Jared throws uh, to Cam Akers may get caught because it's a different burst out there when you're, you're running. But uh, I think Daryl Henderson brings a different element to the game. Uh, I think his explosiveness is going to be something that Seattle's going to have to prepare for. Uh, and then guess what? You get the hammer back, right? You get to use your hammer and Malcolm Brown to go down and soften up these linebackers in this defense. And uh, it may be the game plan that, it may be something that Sean needed to kind of get everything back rolling again. Doreen, I'll send it back to you with this thought. The last time they played the Seahawks, it was Daryl Henderson. It was Malcolm Brown. And I'm old enough to remember being on this show and asking questions like, if Cam Akers is healthy, what does he have to do to get his touches, right? There was a, a point in this season, there was a long stretch of this season where a healthy Cam Akers couldn't get on the field because of what the other two are doing. There's no reason that here in the month of December they can't flip that back. Yeah, and that's a perfect toss because the Seattle team looks way different also when the last time they played um, the Rams back in week 10. Uh, the only familiar name that we're going to talk about, obviously, is Russell Wilson, but the Seahawks, they've been going more run-heavy offense as well. So you've got backs like Carson, uh, Hyde, and Penny that are all available for Sunday. None of those guys played in the week 10 matchup. So, DeMarco, how different has this Seattle offense been playing the last several weeks, and is this something to be concerned about? Uh, do not fool yourself if you're if you wear a Rams uniform uh, as if you're a Rams player. You played the laundry. You did not play this football team. Not this Seattle Seahawks squad. This is a different squad. And if you go back and watch that tape versus Washington, that was a comprehensive butt kicking by that Seahawks that Seahawks squad. Uh, it wasn't just about running the football, and they did that effectively. But the defense went out, got a three and out, gave the ball back to Russell Wilson. They drove it down the field, got points. Uh, so look, uh, this will be a different matchup, but. You can beat this football team. You can beat Seattle when they're playing their best football, playing this style of ball. I think you're built for this. I haven't given up or lost confidence in this defense just because you lost to the Jets. Uh, they're still tough. They're still stout against the run, and they have a lot of great players. They can combat this offense. And I think Jared Goff and this offense, as long as they take care of the football, can score points on just about anybody, including this Seattle Seahawks defense. But make no mistake. This is a different squad. Uh, they're doing it with defense, special teams, and running the football. This is something you're built to stop. This is why the Rams have been built to stop that Seattle squad. So uh, as long as you take care of the football and don't turn it over, you have a chance to beat Seattle in Seattle. Yeah, Maurice, how do you expect the defense to kind of attack knowing that you've got three backs that are all going to be in this game that they hadn't faced back in Week 10? Yeah, I, I think I, uh, DeMarco said it best. Like, I, I'm not too much worried about – uh, their running game, right? Uh, what they will do is they're going to try to beat you up running the ball, but there is no home run hitter. I'm not afraid of a guy 
taking the seam and going to the house. I'm not worried about that, which allows me to play very similar style that you played the last time in SoFi Stadium. Jalen Ramsey, you lock up DK Metcalf. We'll put, you know, our two, three guys uh, over on Tyler Lockett. And then we're going to allow Sean Robinson, Sebastian Joseph Day, Michael Brockers, Aaron Donald, uh, Leonard Floyd, and whoever's out there to corral this, this, this offense and force them to throw the ball. Now, the way the Rams – I think the Rams will beat them, and the, I'm very confident in this, is that you have to score on offense, right, and get them out of running the ball. Let, let's remember, Pete Carroll wants to win ugly. That is his type of thing. They always talk about – I don't know if you guys watch him – but after games, he, he always says, do you win the game in the first quarter? They yelled no. Second quarter, no. Third quarter, no. Fourth quarter, yeah, everybody gets all excited. He wants to win the close game. So if you, if you can get them out of what they want to do, which is run the ball, play action pass, you'll force them to do, you know, throw the ball, which is fits better than what you do defensively. And so I believe that the Rams had the linebackers to do it with Troy uh, – Troy Reader and obviously Kenny Young, they, they played lights out this season. They'll play lights out again. But do expect a lot of motioning of the run, of the running back because it, it, it caught the Rams off uh, guard on Sunday against the Jets. Expect them to do that same thing. And let's see if the Rams correct it. But I'm not too concerned defensively. I'm more concerned offensively. And I'm concerned that Jamal Adams is, you know, he's not he's not a safety so you can't account for him as a safe. You have to account for him as a linebacker or a rush guy. That's what they're going to use him as. Now, everyone's going to say, like, well, he, you know, he, listen, the guy struggles in pass coverage, but he's a heck of a blitzer, right? He's a heck of a guy around the box. So offensively, if you can put up points and, and nullify him, I think defensively it'll, it'll, it'll do it'll counteract everything they want to do. Yeah, nine and a half sacks, a new record for a DB since we started keeping track of that, and that's missing four games uh, due to illness and injury. All right, let's go rapid fire. DeMarco, on Monday night, we asked Sean McVay about Ramsey Metcalf part two. Look, I think Jalen Ramsey's a first-team All-Pro because of what he did to DK and because of what he did to Hopkins, right? And you finish out this season with those two rematches. Can he shut down DK Metcalf the way that he did at SoFi Stadium? Oh, absolutely. And I look forward to the matchup and I look forward to see how Seattle tries to get him open. It will be funny for me, just funny for everybody that's watching. If Seattle has to use rubs and picks to get him open against Jalen Ramsey, instead of just letting DK be DK. So if you have to change your game plan to get the ball to him, that will be funny, but uh, we'll see what, what happens, but it's that old command when you have a dog an attack dog, sick him. That's your guy. Go get him. You erase DK Metcalf. We'll take care of the, the Seattle Seahawks. But you have to always worry about the other guys. Lockett is a guy that can beat you. Russell Wilson is a guy that can beat you, especially in the jazz session, the scrambles. But as far as that marquee matchup, yeah, this is this will be round two, DK versus Jalen, and I can't wait to see that. Um, all right. Sorry, I'm, I'm over here just like, yeah, tell me more, tomorrow about this matchup. Um all right. Well, AD and Jalen obviously were named to the Pro Bowl. It wasn't much of a surprise. However, how do you see this kind of tandem making a difference in this game? I know we talk about all the time the Rams defense being number one and obviously Brandon Staley being ahead of that. But was it a surprise? And are we going to see them kind of take control of this game come Sunday against the Seahawks? Well, yeah, I, I hope so. I mean, look, I've been on the other side of a – and I don't want to say this. I'm not calling Jerry Goff a turnover machine, but I've had to defend turnover machines at quarterback. And there, there, there comes a time for every defense that says, we're going to do it ourselves. 
We're going to take it away. We're going to set you up with great field position on every single possession to make sure that you guys score. Not for your confidence, just to make sure that you guys don't mess this game up. So I think you're about there. You had a chance to beat a downed opponent, a, a, a winless Jets team, to kind of cement your, your playoff status, and you let that go. So the last thing you want to do is do it twice. So I wouldn't say the defense has to overplay, but I think the defense takes the lead from here on out. Uh, that if, if it is to be, it's going to be up to me. It's going to be up to us. So I hope they play that way. I hope that they have that mentality, and I think that will show up on Sunday. Maurice, which uh, Pro Bowl snub from the Rams roster deserved it most? John Johnson, Darius Williams, Rob Havenstein, or Andrew Whitworth? Uh, I feel like it's Darius Williams, to be honest with you. I mean, but it was going to be hard for him to get in. And it, it's – I have to say this for our fans. The Pro Bowl is – it's it's a – it's a popularity contest more than anything else. Um, and in order for you to be popular, you have to ball consistently year after year after year. Uh, I felt like John Johnson had a great opportunity this year. He dropped some interceptions that might've hurt him. Uh, but Darius had a great, a great should have made it right. Being on the opposite side of Ramsey, getting all those targets, having all those interceptions, but it, this is not popular enough. And then it sucks to say that, but, that's part of it, and you're a new guy on a, on a, a young team. So if you do it again the next couple of years, you'll definitely make it. Serena, I'll say this with respect to the Pro Bowl. All four of those guys could have made it, and the Seahawks still would have had more Pro Bowlers than the Rams. They tied a franchise record with seven. I don't think you need any extra motivation going to the Pacific Northwest, but come on. You're, you're playing head-to-head in a de facto championship game for your division. They've got seven. You got two. Maybe it shows that we need to change the way that we select our Pro Bowl. And like to, to MJD's point, this can't be a popularity contest, especially with incentives and things like that players work to get in order to make it. I don't know. Um, but that's me. Either way, we're going to close out the show with our Rams fantasy picks. Um, we don't need to look at last week. We're just going to move forward. Here we go. So, uh, MJD, I'm going to start with you. Who do you got for this week's matchup? And tell me it's Cooper Cup. <laughs> you already know it's Cooper Cup. I, I Listen, it doesn't matter if it's an NFC West opponent. Cooper Cup goes to work. I don't know why that is, but they tend to lean on him a ton. Um, I was torn between him and Higby, but I think it's a Cooper, a Cooper Cup week. It's third and Cup. That's what we need. Well, at least that's what I need. So we'll see. Hopefully, I know you and your fantasy team that just like leans on that man is hilarious. Uh, DeMarco, what do you got? Who do you got? Uh, you know, I'll go with Daryl Henderson. I think he's okay. going to be the guy this week. I think he's going to get the carries and I think he's going to uh, get the opportunity to break out a little bit and be the, the bell cow back. And I would love to go with Cooper cup. There's just one part of that equation that I can't control. <laughs> Even if he's open, you got to throw it to him. You know what I mean? But Daryl Henderson, different deal, turn around and hand it to him and let's go. So I'll take Daryl Henderson, Daryl Henderson. I was torn between both of those, and here's what I read this morning that, that tipped it in Daryl Henderson's favor. The Seahawks apparently have not surrendered a receiver touchdown since they played in Buffalo. That was the week before they came to Englewood to take on the Rams in Week 10. So I'll go reverse jinx, and, and I'll take Daryl Henderson. I'll side with DeMarco, and I'll hope that the answer is all of the above and that Cooper Cup gets his as well. I'm going to split this one and, and I'm going to go with uh, MJD here. I'm actually going to say Cooper Cup to the reason, obviously, I think that he's going to have a big game. Also, for Maurice's sake, I hope that he gets some extra fantasy points. So I'm going to help you out for your holiday spirit here. Um, but I also just think in general, like Cooper Cup, again, like last week we saw um, 
We saw Robert Woods have a big game, both in running and receiving yards. So I'm kind of like, they're going to maybe prepare for him and then Coop can do his thing against the Seattle Seahawks because it's not like Pete Carroll is not going to prepare for this matchup either. So Cooper Cup, let's go. All right, that's it for our Week 16 edition of Between the Horns. For Maurice Jones, Drew DeMarco, Farr, and Serena Morales, I'm JB Long. You know it, Rams at Seahawks from Lumen Field. What happened to CenturyLink? Oh, no. Lumen Field. <laughs> you have to practice that a few times before Sunday in Week 16. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Maurice is rubbing his key fingers <laughs> again. It's 1.25 Pacific time on Fox, and as always, you can listen to our radio broadcast on 710 ESPN and also Jack FM in the Los Angeles area. And while you may not be able to join us at SoFi Stadium this season for that Week 17 finale, we cannot wait for you to step into the Rams' house next year. There's still time to be among the first to experience SoFi Stadium to join us and to purchase season tickets. Visit therams.com slash 2021, therams.com slash 2021. Wishing all of you a very healthy holiday season. Merry Christmas, everyone. We'll see you next week. DeMarco, MJD, Serena, be welcome.